What are the challenges and opportunities involved in internationalizing research in communication and media studies? About this and many other important topics is this conversation with Edna Miola and Jamil Marquez in this new episode of El Café Latinx. What is the experience of being a Latinx or Latin American scholar in the field of communication and media studies? What are the main challenges and opportunities that come with our identities? These are the issues that we'll talk about in El Café Latinx, where some of the leading voices in the field will share their professional experiences. Hola, my name is Pablo Wojcicki. I teach at Northwestern University, where I hold the Hamid bin Khalif Al-Thani Chair in Communication. Together with Mora Matassi, doctoral student at Northwestern and executive producer of this podcast, we invite you to discover the journeys of scholars who are at the cutting edge of creating knowledge about Latinx or Latin American communities across the Americas. These are our stories. Esas son nuestras historias. Estas son nuestras historias. Welcome to this new episode of El Café Latinx. I have two outstanding speakers with me today. Edna Miola is an associate professor in the Department of Language and Communication and the Graduate Program of Planning and Public Governance at the Federal University of Technology, Paraná, Brazil. She's also a visiting researcher fellow at the Coelho Center, Michigan State University. Dr. Miola coordinates the research group on discourse, communication, and democracy, and her interests focus on political communication, government communication, public opinion, digital democracy, and public governance. Jamil Marquez, our second guest, is an associate professor in the Department of Political Science at Federal University of Paraná, Brazil. He also works as a fellow at the CNPq, the National Council for Scientific and Technological Development in Brazil. As a productivity research fellow, and coordinates the research group on media, politics, and technology. His research interests focus on political communication, journalism, public opinion, and digital democracy. Jamil, Edna, welcome to El Café Latinx. Thank you so much, Pablo, for having us. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here with us. So, so to get us started, tell us, how did it all begin for each of you? That is, how was the start of your respective journeys that led you to become a professor? Well, um, the first thing uh, that pointed me to this in this direction was my failing for the undergrad, undergraduate research. Uh, I already knew I didn't want to leave the School of Communication building, but when I organized my first research project, I knew I, fin I finally found myself. Also, my parents were always pretty involved in local politics, so studying political communication was almost a natural pattern. And I have to say, almost half of the, my family, my big family, is teach, uh, are teachers. So uh, being a teacher is also a very predictable uh, close for me. <laughs> Excellent. Jamil? Well, Pablo, uh, when I was in high school, I I wanted to, to become first a maybe a diplomat 
or a second to work with soccer and soccer and transmission like radio, like to be a radio guy who who transmits the the, the games, soccer games. So I was wondering maybe journalism would be a nice way to do both things because as a diplomat you need to have a a general view about everything and journalism can gives this uh, can give this and also i could maybe follow my career in radio stations to in, in soccer transmissions so i decided to start my journalism course my journalism degree uh, but everything changed in 1989 because i got a scientific initiation grant from the government in my view this is one of the most successful programs in brazil for attracting students to research And after this, I started my research with my supervisor, and I never, I never left this 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 activity. So in 2002, I moved to another city to follow my master's and doctorate degrees. I also lived in the U.S. in 2006. So I moved from city to city several times and always because of my studies. Uh, in fact, I lived in, I'm from Fortaleza in Brazil, but I also lived in Salvador, uh, Missouri, Belo Horizonte, São Luis in Brazil, and Curitiba. And now I am in East Lansing, Michigan as a visiting scholar. So, uh, having contact with so many institutions and students from different backgrounds uh, gave me the opportunity to apply these different perspectives when I'm teaching or writing my papers. So this is what I, I, I like to do. Very interesting. So, so one commonality in the research of both of you, and you collaborate often, is the attention that you pay to context to the context where phenomena, where events take place. Um, uh, that creates scope conditions for the arguments that one can make. Now, thinking about your own experience as scholars, how have the different contexts in which you have been part of, right, in Brazil and outside of Brazil, shaped the way you do research? Uh, I think the first thing I didn't say when I was talking about my beginning in the career was I was a child that, whose babysitter was the TV. So while my parents were working, I was watching TV at home. And uh, so, uh, and also I was, I, I am from a very, very small city. And before the internet, we have a little to, to, uh, to access culture and entertainment and also information. So I think this, uh, this hunger for, for information and for uh, culture led me to, to this uh, career. And uh, seeing the TV as a, as a main uh, medium to, to access this kind of contents also uh, helped me. But after this, there's another common uh, 
happening to people who live in the in the countryside that you have to leave your hometown to access education so i left and i never never return again and i left another city and another city and i lived in the in three of the four of the five regions of brazil and uh i had contact with uh several perspectives in uh, communication research. So uh, I can say that I learned in uh, Federal University of Minas Gerais things that I didn't learn in Federal University of uh, Bahia. And this kind of context is quite important to researchers in Minas Gerais. So uh, they have a, a pretty strong uh, pragmatic perspective. And I think that this shaped my way to uh, see communication processes. Excellent. So, Pablo, uh, I, I think I like to face some challenges. Uh, for example, I lived most of my life in Fortaleza, uh, where the city where I was born. But after this, I decided to move to Salvador, St. Louis, Belo Horizonte, Curitiba, now in East Lansing. So I have moved a lot from city to city and I have no problem with this. And because the most interesting thing that I learn everything, every single time I move from one city to another is that we have different perspectives of regarding life and regarding work. So. For example, the way that people work in São Luís do Maranhão is completely different uh, of the way that people work in Curitiba or in Belo Horizonte or in Salvador or in Fortaleza. And it's this is really interesting to, because having moved uh, throughout so many cities gave me the, the opportunity to have to, to keep in touch with people with different backgrounds. And this, this, is, this is very interesting, but at the same time, this is a bit challenging. Uh, if we consider, for example, that most of my, that, that all my degrees are in communication, but nowadays I'm part of a department of political science. So I also have to learn different backgrounds regarding theory and methodology so this is this is what has shaped my career over the last year so these challenges and also these students i have found in in uh, uh, during my path they are they bring me so so rich stuff so rich ideas and they inspire me so this is what i'm trying to to do right now trying to 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 uh, summarize everything I have uh, I have lived over the last years and to put this in my research. So for example, we were discussing a few minutes ago about how big uh, how big Brazil is and how we have different perspectives regarding parallelism and instrumentalization. So having lived in different cities gave me the opportunity to, to experience parallelism and instrumentalization in different regions. So this is what I think I, I can say about your question. Very interesting. So, so the movement from countryside to the city, the movement 
within Brazil, which as you say is a very, very large country, 230 million uh, people, right? That's um, and very vast geography movement, you know, overseas. So what do you make then, given all that you've learned about being sensitive to context and being aware of the role that context plays, what do you make of the repeated calls in communication and media studies to de-westernize the field? How, we, how are these calls seen from a de-western, from a non-western uh, part of the world? I will let Jamil answer this. <laughs> well, Pablo, uh, I think that we do not, uh, we uh, in Latin America, we used to accept very easily, most of us, and I'm, I'm included in this, we used to accept very easily some ideas and concepts that are shared in the US or Latin America. And many times these concepts are not appropriate for uh, to, to understand our realities. And I think that maybe uh, the idea of de-Westernization is, as we said, is more celebrated than practiced. So people used to say, oh, it's important to de-Westernize, it's important to have an article from this region, from that region. But if we, if we pay attention, we researchers from Latin America or, or from Asia, for example, from China, we, are, we have a lot of researchers, but we are not represented in journals and editorial boards. And this makes me a bit sad because uh, it takes too much, it, it will take too much time to change the situation. And I know that also we we have we are we have our part in this because we do need also to train to offer a, a different kind of training to our students if you want to overcome this kind of challenge. So I think that the idea of de-westernization uh, should be taken more carefully uh, because we don't we don't we don't want quotas. We don't want a guaranteed space for us in journals. We, we want to be uh, taken as equal researchers uh, in a way that our arguments and perspectives do not need to be justified every single time. For example, if I want to say uh, if I want to write an article about democracy and populism, when a, a lot of reviewers will ask me to say, oh, you have to add in Brazil in the title, or you have to add your region. But why, why scholars from the US or from Europe, why, why they don't need to do this? Why, why this is not necessary in their cases? And this is funny because we have we have worked really hard to to master the English language, the English uh, our language skills, and but even so, we will never we will never be just like uh, we will never speak English so so good as native speakers. And but sometimes the reviewers and editors 
do not pay attention to this. And just because you we use some words that are not uh, uh, the most appropriate, they said no. This article will be desk rejected. So this is a bit this is a bit awkward. Uh, I will I will I will let you know about an experience I had some months ago. Uh, a reviewer uh, was complaining about my article because I used the word privilege as a verb and not as a noun. So I said. Uh, the journalistic coverage privileged this kind of this kind of uh, frame, and and the reviewer said no, privilege cannot be used as a verb, and it's funny because I I, I have seen this a lot a lot of times in other articles, and even when I talk to native speaker speakers here in the U.S., they said. Oh yeah, maybe this is a bit awkward for someone to say this. Yes, it's true. Privilege cannot be used as a verb, but so this kind of stuff, you know, uh, that we have to face. And sometimes editors and reviewers are not so so nice about this as I think they could be, because yes, we have we 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 do have some issues with language, for example, but we also have other other things to contribute with. So we also bring other new perspectives and insights. And I think that this would be more interesting to, to be, to be uh, uh, acknowledged. Very interesting. So, Edna, go ahead. Oh, um, from the point of view of teaching, uh, communication theory. I think we uh, also start to to uh, initiate our students to a literature that is classical and also uh, uh, a North American uh, literature. So uh, if we offer to our students some uh, newer materials and written by uh, domestic uh, uh, researchers, we feel the, that then uh, they say they, they, this research is not so important than the researchers that were published in English or published in books that are uh, widely cited. So we have to convince our students that uh, we also write and what we write is worthy to be read to be read so uh i think there's a kind of uh difficult to 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 place our work even in our universities and sometimes our colleagues think that we are uh, wrong to to include our work in the by the syllabus because uh we are not so uh, acknowledged by the community research, the research community. So uh, I think there is kind of barrier barriers uh, that uh, hold us uh, behind. Also, even when we talk about teaching. Very interesting. So you alluded both of you to the issue of language and the language of publications, right? Um, so. English is not Brazil's native language, so it's a second language. It's not the native language of most countries in the world, right? Um, yet we communicate in the international 
scholarly community, we tend to communicate primarily in English. That's the language of the conference. That's the language of this podcast, even though three Latin Americans are um, in it and probably we could manage with some Portuñol. So um, you have published both in English and in Portuguese. I have two questions about that. Number one, do you think you write differently, different stylistically, or make different kinds of arguments in the different languages, right? Um, number one. Number two, how do you choose which article or articles to publish in one language, in one kind of journal? And then how, which one or ones to publish in other journals in a different language? Well, I I decided to make to invest in quantitative research to publish in English because I feel that there's more space to to empirical quantitative uh, methods. Especially I uh, even though we have some articles in English talking about concepts, I think that we have uh, less space to uh, discuss concepts in the international journals. So uh, my strategy has been this uh, choose to discuss uh, concepts in articles in Portuguese and uh, present data on uh, empirical objects in international journals. Very interesting. Jamil? Thank you so much for the question, Pablo. I don't have the opportunity to talk about this that much. So it, it's really important to have the opportunity to talk about this here. Well, uh, my priority in my career is to bring up my students. Uh, when, I, when I say this, uh, I want them to be my partners in authorship. And this is funny because I first want to, 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 to write with my students, and I have done this a lot over the last years, my master's degree and PhD candidates. I have tried to write the most I can with them in partnership with them. And we have a truly par a true partnership because we both write the article and we change everything. And this is really interesting. So uh, my main, my main, one of my main objectives is to show my students that they are able, that they can publish in top-ranked journals uh, in Brazil or or outside Brazil. Or and but we we have to face a, a challenge in Brazil. For example, as I told you, as I told you during the presentation, some of the journals in Brazil do not accept students uh, to submit articles. So I think this is crazy, but yes, this is what we have to face. And so because of this, we decided to invest more in international journals. And so, yes, we still publish in some Brazilian journals, but we have tried to 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 send articles to international journals because international journals uh, usually do not uh, demand us to demand the authors to be all PhD uh, uh, holders. So this is important for us. So this is one of the 
one of the, the factors that influence me when I'm trying to choose a, a, a journal to publish in. So uh, I'm not sure. Did I, did I answer your, your question? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And both of you point to an interesting dynamic in your work and the work of some colleagues too, which is, so we oftentimes in the field talk about the you know, implications of the Western-centric bias and the need for the Westernized. You are also talking about what we, what we could call the other side of the coin, which is the efforts to internationalize, right? Because um, in Latin America, but also in Asia, I mean, China has a very, very vibrant uh, journal culture um, in other parts of the world as well. But they, I mean, a lot of those discussions don't make it to the more global, and by global, I mean English speaking, you know, leading journals, etc., uh, conversations. So I wonder if you could reflect, both of you, a little bit more about the lessons learned and your own strategies to help internationalize the field from a Brazilian context and um, what you have done with your students um, in order to, to accomplish that success. For instance, one of your students went from a doctorate in Brazil to a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Oxford in the UK, which is arguably some people say the best university in the world, for sure it's a top 10 university in the world, right? Um, nobody would doubt that. So, which is a major accomplishment, right? So, what are some of your strategies and what are some of the lessons learned in this journey? And then we we have been uh, very critical of our academic system evaluations uh, so uh, we we see that our way to evaluate the researchers and also to distribute the funds are quite uh, biased by the prestige some uh, researchers have and the the willingness of the evaluators to the 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 well the people who evaluate the projects to to uh, give money to the people who already have resources and already already have a history in the research field so um, this is a, a a very difficult situation because new researchers uh, have a lot of difficulty to uh, be part of the uh, research that is actually funded by the government so uh, as, as jamil said it kind of pushes out uh, pushes us out of the uh, usually circuit. So uh, we are trying to to deal with uh, some demands to be to publish, to be evaluated, to, to keep our positions in, uh, in graduate programs. But also we we are kind of uh, outsiders. And when we choose to to publish uh, abroad, 
the the uh, the risk is that our own students don't access our productions because some of them ask them ask us about how uh, why do we uh, don't publish in Portuguese so they can learn they can read our works so it's a kind of dilemma yes Pablo uh, if I could give an advice to Latin American researchers it would be uh, do not be afraid of being rejected do not be afraid of being rejected Rejection is a rule, is the rule in academic work, in, our, in, in the kind of setting where we are. So I try to teach my students not only how to structure the article, to collect data, analyze data, and discuss the results, but I also try to teach them, oh, if the article was rejected, we have to really take into account the reviewers' considerations, the observations, and we have to do the best to, uh, uh, to address the these such observations if we want to have a, an opportunity so uh i try to to tell them uh if someone understood our idea this way and not the way we intended uh in first place probably there is a kind of uh, uh, there is a kind of misconception that we are feeding here so we have to address this to avoid this kind of interpretation and to be very clear about what we want to 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 develop and to argue so the, the first the first thing i try to 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 teach my students is do not be afraid to get a rejection uh, we we sometimes we have articles which are being under review for like two or three years and yes that's it so we have to if we can't wait for so for so long we must for example have more articles if we have like three four or five articles being uh, assessed in at the same time so it would be better because if one is stuck uh in that journal but the other one is ready to go so yes we are but we we cannot be afraid of being rejected i think that this is the most important thing that i have tried to 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 say to myself very interesting now from all this work that you've done and you know all your trajectories um, all your travels to different places and different countries, um, your dual publication strategy in Portuguese and in English. Um, taking into account all of this, if you had magical powers and could be granted one wish about how you would like the field of communication, of media studies, change what would you wish for wow <laughs> with power came responsibility <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, 
I would like to see the expansion of dialogue between researchers from everywhere, so we can be able to learn from different realities. And I'm also very fond of the multidisciplinary efforts. In case of Brazil, we uh, we need also more flexible curricula to be able to deal with the complexity of this time and to build better bridges between academic research and professional training. So uh, I think it's not just one wish, but finally, I hope I can see our universities becoming more, more open to exchanging knowledge though through local and international mobility programs. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's very important. Thank you. Amir? Well, Pablo, uh, one of the problems I see in our research area is the lack of diversity in the composition of the editorial boards of mainly top-ranked journals. There is an article by Afonso de Albuquerque, Tayane Oliveira, and other colleagues dealing with this topic published in Communication Critique and Culture, uh, I think that just some, some months ago, one of their conclusions is that only researchers from a few universities and cherry-picked countries are invited to participate in such spaces. Scholars from Latin America or China, for example, are left out. What creates a critical problem in my view? Communication theory, in this case, advances only in the direction that interests European and American research. So my wish then would be to have more diverse editorial boards. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, my friends, this has been a very enlightening conversation. Thank you uh, to our audience for staying with us through the end. And I invite everybody to join us for the next episode of El Café Latinx. Thank you again. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Pablo, for the opportunity. And once again, congratulations for the, the, the all the experience, all the initiatives that you are running in Northwestern University. Thank you. Thank you very much. El Café Latinx is a production of the Center for Latinx Digital Media in the Department of Communication Studies at Northwestern University. I am Pablo Wojcicki, your host, and I'm joined by executive producer Mona Matassi.